Welcome to the Muckle Teal Football Show. My name is Miles. The Dallas Cowboys roll out of the Los Angeles SoFi Stadium filled with Dallas Cowboys fans with the victory. Monday Night Football, bit of a slog. 10 to 10 going into the fourth quarter. You know, it's Justin Herbert, Dak Prescott, CeeDee Lamb, Keenan Allen. You're thinking, going to get something. And it wasn't 10 to 10 because the defenses were playing super well. It wasn't Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Mike Parsons, you know, Demarcus Lawrence. It wasn't really that. Offensive line penalties. <laughs> I don't know. Mike McCarthy and, and Kellen Moore just dueling it out, showing you didn't really want either of these offenses. <laughs> no, that's unfair. The Chargers offense has been good this year, uh, but they didn't really show up today. Uh, the Dallas offense has been decent, not great. You know, Mike McCarthy took over calling plays from Kellen Moore, who currently the Chargers offense coordinator, was the Dallas offense coordinator for years. Mike McCarthy's back at it. And honestly, I don't know. It lacks something. Even the big plays in this game, you know, Dak to, to C.D. Lamb on a really long crosser, which was really about buying time. Uh, the big play to Tony Pollard uh, was a broken play, basically. Tony Pollard was, I think, you know, either the outlet back or maybe even in pass protection. And Dak, again, breaks contain and, and improvises that. Really kind of shades of of uh, mid-2010s Packers who uh, who were, was coached by Mark McCarthy, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Jordy Nelson, you know, the it's all supposed to be timing, right? All this Mike McCarthy stuff, but that didn't, it never works. And then the, the good players, Aaron Rodgers and Jordy back then, Dak and Lamb and Pollard now, uh, have their own kind of secret second plays, <laughs> improvised plays that, that turn into the highlights. Um, but that, I mean, even that not, I'm Dallas won this game, but I'm not feeling good about Dallas right now, which is okay. I mean, it's the beginning of, of October, middle of October here. Um, Dak Prescott's no Aaron Rodgers. Um, but I, I'm, I'm worried about, <laughs> it's like Dallas won. Why, why am I, why am I so negative? But this, it was a slog. I picked Dallas to go to the Super Bowl, and I am worried. I, I, it kind of feels like picking those post Super Bowl Mike McCarthy Green Bay teams. You know, they're just destined to lose in the playoffs because they rely on just kind of taking out inferior competition with undisciplined football, uh, unless they get an elite defense. That's what they had in 2010 when Mike McCarthy and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay Packers won that Super Bowl. Can this Dallas defense with Micah Parsons hold on? I mean, they they played okay, you know, t tonight. This was really the other side of the ball is also really more about, you know, Justin Herbert. You know, on the other hand, is Justin Herbert's other hand, which has a fractured finger. And it seems like it affected him. I've watched whole games where Justin Herbert doesn't miss a throw. 
maybe maybe kind of misses a throw, but not not legitimately misses the throw, you know. Uh, but even with that fracture on the on the non-throwing hand, it just seemed to affect him. He was airmailing, throwing it short, hit missing the missing the field of play, you know, just too far out of bounds. Um, I mean, it didn't stop Keenan Allen from having a, another good game. Uh, but uh, yeah, the Chargers just and the offensive line just committing so many penalties allowed it allowed a lot of of um, <laughs> of pressure on Justin Herbert, even though they didn't have a sack until the end of the game. That was that was funny because so the it kind of the game kind of ended well. Cowboys, you know, they kind of have it handled until they muff a punt. Chargers get a gift in the red zone. They score their touchdown. They tie it seventeen to seventeen. Dallas gets the ball with seven minutes eleven seconds left. Drains the rest of the clock down to the two minute warning. Basically, uh, they hit a field goal to go up twenty seventeen. Dak, oh man, he he missed a wheel route to Pollard that would have put the game uh, at to twenty four seventeen. Um, and so Justin Herbert gets the ball back, and you're thinking, wow, all they need is a field goal with uh, with the two minute warning still on their side, and we're gonna go to overtime in this game. And that's when the sack came, <laughs> and it was a classic announcer moment, uh, just out of the two minute warning. No sacks for the Cowboys. the The screen shows Micah Parsons, and Micah Parsons has been quiet, and then boom, Micah Parsons sack. And the next play, but now the Chargers are behind the sticks. They're going to charger it up, and and they do. They throw it to Stephon Gilmore, who intercepts it, and the Cowboys take it. Pretty, pretty good ending. Uh, this was this ends a streak of primetime games that no team reached twenty points. We had. Um, we had Packers Raiders on the previous Monday Night Football. We had Chiefs Broncos on Thursday Night Football, and we had Bills Giants on Sunday Night Football. None of those six teams got to twenty points. Um, the it was thirty total points, twenty-seven total points, twenty-three total points, and now this game is thirty-seven total points. So I hope that you've been betting the unders on prime time lately. But yeah, Cowboys take it out. They are four and two going to the bye week. They got a nice little schedule coming up. Rams, Giants, Panthers, Commanders. Nice, comfortable padding. And there's a, there's a week nine matchup with the Eagles there. It's going to be fun. And the Chargers, I mean, the most reliable thing in football you can do is bet against the Chargers. I mean, just disappointing. No matter what they have on paper, they just can't get it done. I mean, we know they have bad ownership, cheap ownership. Uh, but I mean that so do other teams that have, have some success. I, I do wonder, and today really drove that home. Is there just something, a lingering lasting effect about never playing a home game? Cause this stadium was filled with Dallas Cowboy fans. Absolutely filled. And I have a pet theory that they're hiring actors to play Chargers fans because <laughs> they have like some people are just so over the top on the screen. They got their Chargers gear on like, hey, it is L.A. It's Hollywood, right? Well, I guess it's, you know, it's up in the Inglewood area. But I, I mean, maybe they are. Would it be so crazy? The LA, LA and the NFL have been embarrassed about this. When Remember that opening night where the Rams were Super Bowl champions, the opening night last year, the Rams were Super Bowl champions, and it was all Bills fans. This is the Super Bowl defending champion, and most of the Rams games are the other team. Most of the Chargers games are mostly the other team. 
It's embarrassing. So you start hiring some actors, you point them out to ESPN, you get them on screen. You can sell, sell those jerseys. They have Matt Stafford and Justin Herbert in L.A. They should be pumped. Los Angeles has never cared about football. We all knew this. This is why football left them. But it's a nice stadium. I'm not really saying to move the teams back to St. Louis and San Diego um, just because of this. Uh, after all, we got to keep those actors nice and employed. Muckle Teo Football Show. This show is football everything. History, legacy, ups and downs of a season. We've got shows Monday after Monday Night Football, Thursday after Thursday Night Football, and Sunday after Sunday Night Football. Week six. Fully in the books. Check out Sunday's podcast. We talked about the the great, uh, or at least fun, Giants Bills Sunday night game, and of course we covered both the five and O teams falling: Philadelphia to the New York Jets, San Francisco to the Cleveland Browns. A couple of interconference strikes on the final undefeated teams. I'm not worried about San Francisco. I'm not worried about Philadelphia. I mean, both of them could have easily won those games, um, and, and that's football. Um, so check that out for for those things. I do have to point out. <laughs> I listened back to the podcast talking about the Browns uh, beating the 49ers and I called PJ Walker, PJ Tucker, like over and over again, every time, except the first time, basically PJ Tucker, of course, kind of the journeyman, uh, you know, 0.10 rebound four foul guy, you know, most recently for, I think it was on the 76ers. He won the title of the bucks in 2021 been around the league a long time uh, in the NBA, but I was like, man, sorry about that. PJ Walker. I just kept calling him PJ Tucker, but I mean, really how many PJs do we have? What PJ? I don't know. But my, my point was that PJ Tucker wasn't going to get a lot of hype uh, or wasn't going to get, shouldn't get a lot of respect for uh, winning this game. And people have not given the 76ers, former Milwaukee Bucks, power forward, PJ Tucker, much uh, attention in relation to this game. Technically, I was correct. People have not been giving a lot of credit to NBA player PJ Tucker related to the Browns 49ers. <laughs> right. um, let's start today. You know, I know we talked about it last Monday, but uh, we got to go back to the well here and things just keep getting worse for the Patriots and Bill Belichick. The Las Vegas Raiders defeat the New England Patriots 21-17. No crazy lateral this time. Remember the 2022 game where uh, the the Patriots player, uh, I believe it was Ramondre Stevenson, tried to lateral it back and ended up in the hands of of the Raiders who had only, a Raiders defense fan who had only Mac Jones to, to, to juke uh, on his way to a walk-off fumble six. Um, it was a crazy, insane play. Um, but this one, this is even worse. Th- this is much worse. That was like a fluke game where you're like, ah, you know, stuff happens. And, and I got you, Belichick. You know, McDaniels got him. Uh, this was 
you know, a former Patriots uh, offense coordinator, Josh McDaniels, with former Patriots backups or lackluster, you know, backups, Jimmy Garoppolo and Brian Hoyer, beating Bill Belichick on the heels of two massive blowouts to the Cowboys and the Saints, and just putting a, a you know, just sticking that knife in a little further. Because this week, leading up to the game, and now especially at a fever pitch, Bill Belichick's job is in legitimate question for the first time in a long time. I mean, there's there's been, you know, little moments here and there over the over the last 20 years, you know, a couple of back-to-back games, some blowouts, especially in the 2010s. You know, they launched a is Belichick done, you know, think pieces, articles that eventually became parodies of themselves because you're sitting here writing like is Bill Belichick on the hot seat for you know, a few years, and then it's a few years later, and it's more years later. It's suddenly a decade, and it's over a decade. Like it was almost like a, a joke that uh, that you could even question this. That's why it took so long. That's why it took from the twenty twenty one wild card all the twenty two and twenty two season, and now this one and five start in the twenty twenty three season for people to truly start questioning Bill Belichick. And this is the low point. This is the nadir. This is the absolute worst. Uh, state that his career or that his, you know, prospective career going forward has ever been. You know, you, you look back, I mean, really look at it. I mean, look at his whole career, no shining defensive coordinator, you know, time with the giants in the eighties and early nineties, his coach for the Browns didn't really have any bad, bad years in the Browns. Uh, you know, 95, he was five and 11, but the story of that season is like organizational chaos and just you know impossible for anybody because the owner announced that the beloved historic Cleveland Browns were moving to Baltimore to become the Ravens and they did and plus at that point Belichick's 42 you know whole career ahead of him uh I mean that's nothing compared to what we're talking about now uh you know now that Belichick's in, uh you know in his late 60s and uh you know he, you do lose it at some point right you know, there was a, there was 2002, you know, he missed the playoffs with a Super Bowl caliber team. Everyone knew it. Uh, he had that famous four-game losing streak. I mean, Belichick took some heat in 2002, but winning the Super Bowl the year before and the year after, <laughs> 2003, kind of washes that away. Uh, and then, of course, the 2021, I mean, just wild card, historic beatdown by the Bills. The Patriots made the playoffs without Tom Brady all that good sentiment was washed away by that. I mean, that blowout was so bad. My favorite stat about that wild card blowout from the Bills over the Patriots in 2021 was Josh Allen and the Bills offense gained every single possible yard that they could have in that game, i.e., wherever they got the ball, they scored. And now this back to back blowouts the Saints and the Cowboys losing to the former offense coordinator. You know, the thing is, like, that's this isn't even two different moments. It's connected to that 2021 wildcard game, right? And 2022 with Matt Judge or Matt Patricia and Joe Judge. And now this. I very much believe that this, it took this long and that Bill Belichick is going to lose his job. Robert Kraft will fire Bill Belichick because, you know, that's what's best for Robert Kraft. You know, Robert Kraft's going to want to sidestep himself out of this. You know, it's, it's the oldest trick in the book. 
You be the one to say it's unacceptable and take action. And then you give some speeches. I put this all on me. But when this in context, it's like, it couldn't really be on you. So you kind of put the media and fans in a position of, of who else is this on? You know, like it's a, it's a classic. It's the, that's how Robert Kraft's going to okie doke his way out of the last three years. Going to put it on Belichick. Belichick's going to take the fall. It's going to happen. Okay, I spent a little bit too long on that. So I'm going to do one more. Only going to do one more game. I don't want to talk about Seahawks Bengals anyway, uh, just because I'm a Seahawks fan and, you know, it was bad. So the summary is offensive line sucks. Geno Smith, uh, you know, just not not the guy to overcome that type of thing. Um, let's talk Colts Jaguars. You know, this was an interesting, like, little revenge chance. You know, talk about Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick. What about Gardner Minshew against the Jacksonville Jaguars? I mean, does it, you know, it's been a while, but Gardner Minshew at one point was like the bright spot in Jacksonville. It's only 2019, you know, a very memorable start to his career. Uh, you know, the, the mullet, the, the Minshew mania, nine touchdowns, one interception in his first five games. And then he's had kind of like mini manias in Philadelphia the last couple of years, now Indianapolis. But then it's always games like this. Three interceptions should have been six, to be honest. I mean, he was, you know, Minshew in the, in the Colt uniform was still throwing it to Jaguars. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it was bad. And this is the other coin. Minshew always gets a little bump. Same as, you know, I hate to hate to bring it into this, but same as like the, um, the, <laughs> this is bad, but like, the eighth bench player on your basketball team, who's like a white guy, uh, he's beloved, fan favorite, right? That's Gardner Minshew. He is beloved because there's a lot of guys with mullets who think they could be Gardner. I could do that. I could do that. But and you probably could. Gardner Minshew has a pretty weak arm. I mean, for for NFL standards at least, not for human being standards. Uh, and so the Jaguars handled this game 37-20. It was more about the defense to me, more about those turnovers. Trevor Lawrence, this is a weird take to take right now because the Jaguars upset Buffalo, and now they get this hearty victory over Indianapolis. They're one of Jaguars are only one of two teams to score more than 25 points this week, Dolphins being the other. But Trevor Lawrence has not looked good. He has not looked good. I watched these both these games, I watched them, and this is amateur film hour. I don't, I don't know anything, but it's it feels inconsistent. It feels overthrows and just misconnections. And again, Trevor Lawrence has forty four touchdowns in forty games. This is worrying me. Like, I mean, I don't expect him to. Mahomes had one hundred and one in his first forty games. I don't expect him to be Mahomes. Burrow had seventy eight. But like, okay, look, listen to the rest of the list. Baker had 64 in his first 40 games. Kyler, 63. Dalton, 63. Tua, 61. Dak, 55. Sam Darnold had 48 in his first 40 games. That's more. Lawrence is down there with Case Keenum, Mike Glennon, Mitch Trubisky, Daniel Jones, who, by the way, all of those guys had more. More in their first 40 games than Trevor Lawrence has had. So, yeah, I mean, the Jaguars won 37-20. Lawrence got hurt on the final play. They're saying it might be okay, but still, I mean, that's got to have some lingering impact, especially with the Thursday game coming up. I'm not buying 
the inconsistency of Trevor Lawrence and, and the inconsistency of the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I, I am not in. Well, good news. We'll be talking about them on Thursday with Kirk because they're playing the Saints. We'll get a lot more Jaguars talk on the Muckleteal Football Show Airwaves. My name is Miles. Good night.